reaching Israel and the world. Baruch Hashem, that's the Hebrew way of praising the Lord. Baruch, bless Hashem, the name. So when we say Baruch Hashem, we're blessing the name of the Lord. So we like to begin every broadcast, honey, by giving God praise because without God, there's nothing, right? That's good. It's in Him we live and we move and we have our being and from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. And so in Hebrew, we say Baruch Hashem, bless the name of the Lord. Yeah, honey, you're looking God. marvelous today. Well, Tell me, what's on your mind today? Oh, just... Uh... I've got my word with me. Again, I just keep feeling the Lord say, keep that scripture right at hand and right by your heart. And so uh, I felt like he even wanted me to bring it on the set today while we're filming this, that truly the word of God is what goes before us, mm. that we are all about the word because it's our hope and it's what's gonna get us through all the times that we face. Yeah, you know, that's the difference between our faith in Messiah Jesus that's rooted in the Word of God and all these people out there today that say they're not Christians, they're just spiritual. You know, they've got this foggy notion of spirituality, but we need not only God's Spirit, but we need His written Word because His Word is truth and it moves mountains. Mm -hmm. It's living and yes, active and yes. sharper than a two-edged sword. And so we say, Baruch Hashem, bless the name of the Lord. All glory and honor to King Jesus. Father, thank you for your Word. Shalom Aleichem, we bring you peace today, beloved one, in the name of Messiah Jesus. We are continuing now in season three of Messianic prophecy, and we're focusing on predictive prophecy. I really want to encourage you, if you weren't able to watch season one and season two of Messianic prophecy, go to our website, discoveringthejewishjesus.com, because I laid a tremendously important foundation in season one and season two for understanding Messianic prophecy prophecy, because not all prophecy is predictive. In this season, we're speaking of predictive prophecy, however, and I want to continue today reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, focusing on the fact that in the Hebrew Bible, as the Hebrew Bible predicted for us what the ministry of the Messiah would do, we read that the ministry of Messiah would bring God near to us. That when Messiah came, we'd be able to say, listen, God is here. So listen to the book of Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, we find this scripture repeated in the Brichad Hashah in the New Testament. Matthew said in chapter 1, verse 23, when Yeshua was born, behold, the virgin shall be as with child and shall bear a son. And then she, he went on to quote there this 14th verse of Isaiah chapter 7. And so what we find then is in the Hebrew Bible a promise that a child would be born and his birth into the earth would bring God here. And again, when Messiah was born, Matthew quoted that scripture, Isaiah 7 and 14, and said it had now been fulfilled. 
This is important for us to understand in a spiritual dimension because many of us are still looking for God someplace out there. We look up hoping that somehow maybe if we can see far enough into space, maybe we can connect to God. But the truth is, beloved friends, God is already here. And the problem is not that God is so far away that we can't get to him. The, the, the real challenge for many of us is that he's so close that we're afraid to let him in. You shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God is now with us. He's here. Yeshua ascended to heaven, then he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, the breath of Elohim is here with us on the earth. Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Right now, many of you are feeling anxiety. You're feeling nervous. You're feeling stressed. There's all these things in your life that are pressing in. You're feeling the anxiety of all these relationships and circumstances that you find yourself surrounded by. But I want to say to you, beloved one, God is already here. He's here. He wants us to get grounded in this reality. This is why David said, Lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. When Messiah was born into the world, Matthew quoted Isaiah and said, Emmanuel's been born. God is now here. He's already here. Sometimes we're, we're, we're like groping in the darkness, and, and the problem is, is that we don't have faith to just affirm the simple truth. Because God is here, it doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. What it means is as we practice the presence as we affirm the truth that God is here, the roots of our soul grow deep into the divine nature. As we walk through life and press in against the darkness, clinging to God, affirming that He's here, what happens is our soul is expanded in the realm of eternal life and we get strong. And as we get strong, we get happy. As we get strong, we're able to conquer all types of darkness and the spiritual forces of wickedness that are all around us in this earth. But in order to be strong, in order to conquer wickedness, we need to know God is here. I want you to say it with me. Just put your hand over your heart and just say out loud with me to the Lord, God is here. Let's say it another way. God is already here. And one more time, God, Father, Yeshua, Holy Spirit, you are already here. This is what Messiah brought us. The Holy Spirit's here. And now Father wants to build us up in this truth so that we can live, beloved ones, in this reality. Again, we're talking about messianic prophecy, and we looked, first of all, at Isaiah 7:14, where the prophet told us that when Messiah came, when the son was born, when the child was born, it would bring God here to planet Earth, available for all of us. He's knocking at the door of our hearts. 
And if we open up the door and let them in, we can experience the reality that God is with us. Let's continue on now in this theme of Messianic prophecy as we try and contemplate the mystery of the fact that Messiah is God's Son. That Messiah is the Son of God. Now this may sound like a simple statement to many that are listening to me right now. That Messiah is the Son of God. That Jesus is God's Son. As John 3.16 tells us, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. It sounds simple to many, but I want you to know as a Jewish person and to those that are Jewish that may be watching right now, we want to acknowledge that this statement that God has a Son is very difficult for us to comprehend and conceive because as a Jew, we were raised with this declaration. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, o Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so, as Jewish people, we're raised in an environment in which we have come to believe that there's only one God. And so, when we now try to start to uh, assimilate this revelation that, that God has a son, it, it, it becomes very difficult because we say, but we only believe in one God. Now it sounds like we're talking about two gods. It sounds like we're talking about God the Father, and now you're talking about God the Son, and now you're talking about God the Holy Spirit. I mean, which one are you worshiping? Is God divided? And this has been a huge theological uh, 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 source of tension between the traditional Jewish community and the Christian community, with the traditional Jew Jewish community uh, focusing solely on, on the oneness of God, and then the traditional Christian community talking about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So how do we merge these together, and what does the Hebrew Bible teach us about God having a son? I want to give you one more opportunity. Jesus says, I'm knocking. Many are saying, I'm feeling nothing. And you've closed yourself. But Jesus, Yeshua, is here. So I gave a call to, to repent. And many pastors repented. They repented from not sharing the gospel with their neighbors and from people on their street and from with their families. And following that, I asked who the Lord was touching. Did anybody hear a word from the Holy Spirit? And they had, there was a woman that came forward and uh, she said she had a word of prophecy. You could see in her eyes that the Lord was touching her. So I asked the woman, what's God doing? And she just began to weep, she began to shake, she began to prophesy. And it was one of the most powerful prophetic words that I've ever experienced. I have given you gifts of ministry. Church, what have you done with what I've given you? And you could just feel it was just piercing every heart that was there. And she began to speak to the people, the heart of Jesus. And Jesus was saying, some of you are saying you're not feeling anything. And Jesus said, you need to repent. And he began to just rebuke the pastors for their lukewarmness, for their apathy for their lack of looking to him. It was truly the highlight of the service. Everybody knew that they were hearing from Jesus himself. 
Is the Lord leading you to help Rabbi Schneider around the world? From teaching pastors and evangelism to large crowds in Africa, South America, the Caribbean, and more, to preaching and ministering to God's chosen people in Israel, and a dynamic television ministry, Discovering the Jewish Jesus is reaching the world for Christ. With your support, you'll help send Rabbi to deliver the truth of God's Word to people who may never hear unless you send him. Visit DiscoveringTheJewishJesus.com or call 800-777-7835 to confirm your part in helping Rabbi build up believers in their faith and change lives all over the world. Well, let's begin by looking at Psalm number 2, verse 7. Here we have the psalmist inspired by the Holy Spirit declaring this, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He, speaking of the Father, speaking of God, He said to me, You are my son, I have begotten you. Let's read it again, Psalm 2-7. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. This reminds me of Yeshua on the Mount of Transfiguration with his apostles and how the voice came from heaven that said to him, You are my beloved son, and in you I'm well pleased. The disciples heard the voice saying, This is my beloved son, and in him I'm well pleased. And so we get this concept of the sonness of this element of the Godhead in Psalm number 2, verse 7. We're going to look at another psalm a little bit later, but remember David said, The Lord, David said, said to my Lord. And Yeshua said to the Pharisees, Who was David speaking of when he said, The Lord said to my Lord? Of course, what was going on here is this mystery of the relationship between Messiah, who is the Son, and the Father, both equally God. How do we understand then that God is one, and yet, one God exists in Father, Son, and Spirit. Well, first of all, let me say this. Some may accuse me of copping out by answering this way, but I personally feel that it's very genuine, authentic, and true. How can we expect to understand the fullness of God's nature when we cannot understand how God has always been? Can you understand how it's possible that God has always been? I mean, the only thing that our mind can comprehend is, but where did he come from? Well, how did he get here? I mean, how could he have come from nothing? He had to come from somewhere. How can a God be self-existent? How is it possible that there's a God that has always been? It makes no sense to us. It's beyond anything that we can even come close to grasping. And since we can recognize that we cannot even come close to grasping the wonderful, supernatural, it's just incredible reality that there's a loving God who's self-existent that's always been, that didn't come from anywhere. Even as we cannot understand that rationally or logically, because we can only think in terms of cause and effect. We always think of, well, where did that come from? Well, what caused that? The Big Bang. Well, what caused the Big Bang? Well, what caused that thing that caused the Big Bang? The questioning will go on like that forever, because the only thing that we can understand is cause and effect. But God is the first cause who himself 
had no cause. Nothing caused him. He's always been. Since our human minds cannot think in that realm, a realm of a self-existent God that came from nowhere but's always been, how should we expect to be able to say that it's impossible for God to be one and yet within himself have a multiplicity of natures that he can display? When we say that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're not saying that he's three gods, but we're rather saying, hear me now, that God is multi-dimensional. There's one God, one essence, and he is multi-dimensional. He can manifest himself as Father. He can manifest himself in the form of his spirit. He can manifest himself as son. This is what the Brich Hadashah, the New Testament, teaches. That there's one God and that within the Father's bosom is a son. It's his own son. And, and, and this is what Psalm 2-7 is saying. The Lord is speaking. I will surely tell the decree of the Lord. Jesus is speaking. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Matthew 17, 5 says, While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Luke twenty two seventy. 70, they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And Jesus, Yeshua, said to them, Yes, I am. You see, the Son is in the bosom of the Father. God is one, but within himself, there is relationship. This is why we read in the book of Genesis, from the very beginning, the scripture says, let us, when God was creating the world. The scripture says in Genesis, let us, the Lord said, make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. Why? Because within the Godhead, there is a multi-dimensional aspect. In the bosom of the Father is the Son. The Son has always been. He's always been. He's been forever in the Father, with the Father. And the Father's love is focused on His Son who's in His bosom. And it's the Son who has always been in the bosom of the Father that was made manifest in the world and who came and died, beloved ones, for our sin. It's beautiful. We worship you and bless you, King Jesus, Messiah, Yeshua. And so we see the concept then of the Son of God, this, this aspect of, of the Godhead revealed even in, beloved ones, the Torah. Let's continue on today in our journey down the road of Messianic prophecy by focusing on the fact that in the Hebrew Bible, we're looking at predictive prophecy, because remember I've been sharing with you in Season 1 and 2, that not all prophecy, not all messianic prophecy is predictive. Some of it's in type, some of it's in shadows, some of it is just Yeshua repeating Israel's history because Yeshua is Israel's divine head. But now we're focusing on predictive prophecy. And one of the things that we read about in the Hebrew Bible is that the Messiah would be born into the world through a woman. In other words, he wouldn't just materialize out of the sky. But he literally would be born into the earth through a woman. 
Now, again, myself being Jewish, I'm very cognizant of the fact that traditional Jewish people feel that this concept of an eternal God being born into the world through a woman is blasphemous. And that's one of the things that they accuse Jesus of over and over was blasphemy because he made himself out to be the Son of God or made himself out to be equal with God. But the reality is, is that God coming to the earth through a woman was done because he wanted to fully unite himself with humanity whom he wanted to save. And the only way he could fully unite himself with you and I that have been created in his image in order to be in relationship with him, the only way he could fully unite himself to us so that we could enter into the intimacy with him that he's after is if he became one of us. And in order for that to happen, beloved, he had to come into the world just like you and I through a woman. And so we read in the book of Bereshit, the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis in chapter 3, verse 15, these words. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Many people feel this is the first messianic prophecy. After Adam and Eve sinned, they needed to be redeemed. They were separated from God. We know what happened. They sinned. Why did they sin? They sinned because they had desire. The serpent came and said, you know, look at this tree. If you eat of it, it's going to make you wise. And when Eve saw that it looked good to the eyes, that it would be pleasant to the taste and it would make her wise, it aroused her desire. But she chose to fulfill her desire in the wrong way. God said you can eat from any tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So she chose to fulfill her desire. We all have desire. But she chose to fulfill her desire outside of God's path for her life. So she ate of the tree. And when she ate of the tree and Adam ate of the tree, immediately they realized they were naked. Shame set in. And then when they realized they were naked because they sinned and shame set in, they began to run to hide from God and eventually became isolated and alone. Because shame causes us to run and we run into a place of darkness or isolation. But Jesus, born into the world through a woman, came to redeem us and save us from what Satan had been able to do when Eve fell for his lie. I want you to know, beloved, your salvation is rooted in the Word of God. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, immediately after Adam and Eve sinned. When God promised humanity He would send us a Redeemer, that His Redeemer would come into the world through a woman, that He would crush Satan under His feet, and He would save God's people. I want you to know today, God has a wonderful plan for your life. It's bigger than anything you can even imagine right now. But in order to enter into our destiny, beloved, we need to fully return to our Creator by giving our lives to Him through Messiah Jesus. I love you today. God bless you. We'll see you next week and Shalom. Beloved, when I examine myself under the light of God's Spirit, I'm challenged by the life of Abraham. Abraham entered into the fullness of God's blessing by surrendering Isaac, whom the scriptures call his only son. What a total 
act of surrender and sacrifice. What that teaches me is if I'm going to enter into the fullness of what God has for me, I also need to live a surrendered lifestyle. The rubber meets the road oftentimes in this area with our finances. Many of God's children are not fully surrendered to Him in the area of their finances. Beloved, let's trust Him. Let's honor Him. And let's give Him what is due from the first fruits of our wealth. If the Lord is using Discovering the Jewish Years to bless you, and you feel the Holy Spirit knocking at the door of your heart to present an offering to Father God through this ministry, beloved, just be obedient, and when you do, you'll open your heart for Father to pour His blessing into your life. Here's how you can donate or become a monthly partner. Send your tax-deductible gift to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. Give by credit card at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Call 1-800-777-7835 or text the keyword rabbi to 45777. To show our appreciation, we'll send you an audio CD and download of Rabbi's Message of the Month and our most recent newsletter. Your gift is bringing salvation, healing, and deliverance to Israel and the world through television, internet, and crusade outreaches. Finally, Many of us have been faithful to the Lord with our finances while living. For those of you who like to remember the Lord in your finances when you go to heaven, click Will and Estate Gifts at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. I'm on the Mount of Olives, and I want to close the broadcast today by speaking the blessing that Father God said should be spoken over his people. In the book of Numbers, chapter 6, the Lord told Moses and Aaron, Speak these words over my people, and I will place my name upon them and bless them. Yahweh Yahweh May Father God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord your Father lift you up by his countenance. And Father God is going to continue, his beloved child, to give you his peace. Revelation today for a brighter tomorrow. Find Discovering the Jewish Jesus on all your favorite social media outlets and stay up to date on the content you love. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. Connecting with Discovering the Jewish Jesus has never been easier. If two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. 
Let our prayer team pray for you. Send us your prayer request today by visiting our website or writing to the address on the screen. Our prayer team lifts up every individual request before the Lord. And then, as God answers your prayer request, or if God has touched your life through discovering the Jewish Jesus, send us your testimony. We want to rejoice with you, and your testimony will encourage others. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Next time on Discovering the Jewish Jesus, Rabbi continues his study on predictive prophecy and how Messiah would be birthed from the line of Abraham. Don't miss this exciting episode.